Hey everyone, welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. This is a bonus episode and I will just be going through some questions and answering those questions. Again, I always appreciate y'all reaching out, asking questions, sharing your thoughts. Like like always, keep it coming. I really do appreciate it. And thank you again so much for listening and spending time with Tony and I each week as we kind of share this story. And it's a lot to unpack. So I really appreciate y'all joining us for it. So I'll get right into it. There are about 10 questions, um, kind of in a random order. And so one question is, have you heard from anyone from Haley's biological son's family? And yeah, in a way we have. So when we found out Haley committed suicide, it was, it was just a lot, right? Like it was, it was sad. It was just a lot to process. And we immediately were like, well, where, what happened to her son? You know, where did he go? And so my mom and I had found one of the biological father's um, sisters on like Facebook. And um, my mom sent a Facebook message just saying, Hey, you know, we knew Haley. We just wanted to check in, you know, how is her son? You know, like what's going on with that? And the person responded, I don't think they knew about like the bigamy thing. I don't think they knew our connection to the family. I think they just assumed that we knew we knew them. And so they confirmed that yes, you know, Jan died, Haley killed herself, very sad situation, and that the biological father um, had custody, but was also like basically sharing custody with his sister who was like married, had kids, had a very stable, you know, situation. And so we just wanted to know that her son was okay. You know, we just kind of wanted to make sure that in a way that he wasn't with Haley's brother because Haley's brother had demonstrated some, you know, concerning behaviors and had a history of erratic behaviors. So we just wanted to make sure he was okay. So yes, we have kind of talked to them, but it was very, like, it was a long time ago. It was very like, Hey, we just wanted to check in, you know, we're so sorry this happened, you know, and this, this person did not know Haley. I don't think had ever met Haley. And so it was, you know, some degrees of separation. So yes, we have had some contact with someone from the Haley son's like biological family. So we have, um, but yeah, I don't think we would reach out again. You know, there's really no reason to, but at that time, after finding that all out, we just wanted to make sure that her son was, you know, somewhere safe. Question number two, did Jan or Haley have an obituary? Jan does. You're free to Google it. Um, I think it's under Jan Mon. Uh, J-A-N-M-A-U-N and Sugarland, Texas. Uh, it'll come up. Uh, feel free to Google it. It's interesting because like I shared, it was, I believe, published a couple days after Haley died, but I believe they had submitted the information before Haley died um, because I think it was published like September 22nd. And then the service was going to be like September 28th. And it said donations could be made to Jan's son. So it's just a little interesting. Normally, 
normally donations don't go directly to a family member. You know what I mean? Like normally it's like flowers or donating to like, you know, a certain uh, organization, charitable organization. So it is interesting. Um, so yes, Jan has an obituary. Haley does not to my knowledge. And I have like scoured through the internet looking for something. And I think if, I think Haley, if, if she had passed before her mom, her mom would have done an obituary for her. But since at that point, just the brother was left, um, they, yeah, he didn't do an obituary. And there's an, there was another question of Haley and her brother, like, where is their dad? It's a really good question that I had briefly, I think briefly covered in a previous episode, but their father passed away from cancer, I think in about 2012. So Haley would have been about 14 or 15 then. So the father passed away from cancer. And I think that was kind of like the start of a lot of trauma for, you know, Haley, Jan and the son, you know, I think that, I mean, that is a traumatic experience. You know, I can't imagine losing your father at like that young of an age. And so it makes sense why they acted out the way they did, you know, having a lot of drug arrests, you know, driving while intoxicated, things like that. So I think that made them pliable to be victims to my dad, essentially. So yes, their father passed away many, many years ago from cancer. And so that's where he's at. And like I've shared, I know they have an aunt um, from their mother's sister, but as far as like any other family, you know, I, I don't know, I don't really know. And, you know, I sometimes think it's not healthy to go back to that time and that stuff and like really look at it. But at the same time, it's good to know, right? Like it's, you know, it's, there's, you know, power and knowledge and it can be empowering, but like, I haven't done too deep of a search on that. Number three, <laughs> this was a good one. Uh, what happened to your uncle? Everyone was fascinated with my uncle who he was a private pilot and lived in Miami in the 80s. And he was smuggling cocaine from South America into Miami in the 80s. And he got caught and arrested, sent to federal prison, did time. And everyone was like, well, you know, where did he end up? Like, what happened with him? Like I shared in the previous episode, he and the caregiver had divorced around the time of his cocaine arrest. And then they remarried like when he got out of federal prison. And part of the stipulation of getting out of federal prison was that he could not be a private pilot again because like the reoffending risk was too much. And so he became um he came up to Washington and was married to the caregiver until about 2003. And to be honest, I'm not sure what he did during that time. I I don't know. But I do know that after their divorce in 2003, he went back to Florida. He became a city of Miami bus driver and he loved it. That was his thing. Like I shared, his family, they were very wealthy they passed, you know, he inherited a large sum of money and he lives in Miami still. And he remarried and a younger woman and he collects Porsches. So that's where he's at. And so I think, you know, the, the cocaine bust, you know, was rough, but it, it he landed softly on his feet. So we'll just say that. Number four, was the caregiver ever like certified? Like how did she become a caregiver? I think I may have addressed this before, but 
I don't know. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. That's just my answer. Like, I don't know. Like maybe she did receive money from the state for being a caregiver. Did she ever go to like nursing school? No, like, I really don't think so. But in terms of receiving benefits from the state or through Chevron for being a caregiver, I don't know. I have asked her for that information and she has not provided it. So we have asked her for a lot of financial information that she just simply has not provided. All right, number five, um, if Jan's son is alive, would you talk to him? And that's an interesting question. It's like a yes and no. Like, no, because I don't see what good could come from it uh, because his pattern of behavior was, you know, erratic kind of, I mean, just lots of drug arrests, lots of, you know, erratic things. That being said, people do change, you know, they do mature. So it's like mostly no, because I don't see what good could come out of it. And I don't think it's healthy for anyone to kind of reconnect that deeply to, you know, past trauma like that. So, but on the other hand, it's like, maybe, you know, like maybe some good could come out of it. Like, I don't know. So it's like, maybe something good could come out of it. Maybe it'd be healing for him or maybe for me just to kind of close that loop. Like I said, we had that very crazy shared complex experience of my dad. So maybe, but at the same time, I'm hesitant just based on what I know about this person, just because my dad affiliated himself with very sketch people and sketch people. I mean, they'll fill your head with so much stuff. You know, I've had so many people over the years just say crazy stuff about my dad and it's like stuff I know is not true. And then it's like, do I want to deal with the burden of that? You know, just having somebody say crazy stuff and like, then I have to filter through it. I have to address it. Like, that's why boundaries are great. Right. <laughs> so it's like, mm, I don't know. And to be frank, I don't even know if he's alive. Like, I can't find confirmation that he passed away, but there were some Facebook like posts about it. So, you know, who knows? So if he's alive, it's like, I'm not a hundred percent shutting that door, but it's mostly shut. Let's just say that because like, I'm just not sure what good could come from it. And I would worry it would just cause me more, you know, anxiety, stress, whatever. And I am not about that. Number six, are there any police investigation updates? And yes and no. I want to be careful about the information that I share because it is all, you know, ongoing. But I will say that based on some new information I received, there seems to be a high likelihood that the caregiver was opening credit cards even as far as a year after my dad passed um, because those credit companies were actually not notified that he had died until I notified them that he had died. So that was interesting. Again, I want to be careful with information that I share because I want to protect the integrity of like investigations and the lawsuit. But that is one thing that I feel comfortable sharing that it seems like there were credit cards taken out, um, department store cards, you know, up to a year after he died. So that's not good. You know, that's I mean, to be blunt, that's fraud, you know, so still, still work in motion. Um, but again, I've been a little close lipped about it just because I want to protect the integrity of the case. 
Number seven, your story gives me a lot of anxiety to hear. I appreciate you sharing it, but if I were in your shoes, I would have so much anxiety. So how do you manage your anxiety? Um, I, (laughs) uh, that's a good question. I have a, I'm really lucky to be, I mean, let's call it for what it is. This is a shitty situation. This is one of the hardest things I know I'll ever have to go through in my life, but I've always said I'm in the best position to go through such a shitty situation by pure virtue of having such a strong support network, having so many people care about me, check in with me, help me, you know, like it has been very eye-opening in that respect that I really am so lucky to have so many people in my corner. So like that helps. Um, I am seeing a therapist and it's kind of like my first time with therapy and like, it's helpful, but at the same time, I've gotten good over the years of managing my anxiety. I love meditation. That is like one of my biggest things. Love, um, you know, like nature walks. I'm not much of a hiker. Like (laughs) I don't want anything too, you know, too extreme. I don't want to like climb up like mountains or anything, but I do like being outside. And so that really helps meditation. I really prioritize self-care. Like that has always been a priority for me, having a strong support network. And like, yeah, therapy helps. I also use things like anxiety patches. Like they're on Amazon and they're basically like a patchy where that kind of helps like naturally regulate your body and like your anxiety response. So I definitely have things I do to manage it. But what I shared with my therapist is that For me, it's always been interesting because my anxiety has always been rooted in something very, very tangible, right? So it's not just arbitrary, you know, oh, I think this could happen or I assume the worst. It's like I, my family, we have this history of the worst thing happening, you know, these bombs being dropped, you know, so it's like it's always rooted in something very tangible. And so it's kind of hard to know that and manage the anxiety. But like I said, I've had so much practice over the years that it's like, you know, I think I'm doing okay. You know, like, yes, I have anxiety. I'm very open and transparent about that. But at the same time, like, it's not debilitating. It's just, you know, I know how to manage it. And I know when I'm having a panic attack, I'm like, okay, this is just a panic attack. Let's just, you know, breathe, you know, release the energy of this panic attack and then do like a meditation after to like ground and center myself, you know, so I definitely have things that work. Um, A lot of people have shared that my story gives them anxiety. And I'm sorry about that. My intent is not to cause anxiety. Like that is not the intent, but I am sorry, but you know, I really appreciate people who are looking out for me and checking in with me. I really, really appreciate it. But, you know, that's how I manage my anxiety, kind of like, just let it go, release it, know that I can't control everything, even though I would love to in this situation, and just kind of a taking a mentality of, you know, I'll cross that bridge when it gets there. Like, it doesn't help you to just worry about all the ways things could go wrong. You just have to tell yourself, you know, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. And that's kind of been the state I've been in because with this situation, there are so many things that could go wrong. So many tangible things, real things that could go really, really wrong. And that weighs on me. So I just have to tell myself, you know, like you, you just have to cross that bridge when you get there and just implement those tools in the meantime to cope with that stress and that anxiety. Number eight, um, the caregiver, somebody said she was a voice actor, like 
Tell us more about that. And I don't have much to tell about that. Like on her LinkedIn, it says she was a voice actor, but it doesn't list any like like talent agencies, projects, completed projects, you know, like there's nothing there that shows that that's like real. I'm not saying it's not y'all. Like I'm not saying, you know, I'm just saying I have not found any evidence of like projects or anything that corroborates that essentially it could be out there, right? It really could. Like maybe, maybe she is a voice actor. You know, I don't know. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, I don't know, but it's, that was an interesting people were like, wow, this person has like, uh, like a big zigzag life pattern. I'm like, yes, they do. But you know, who knows? Maybe it's legit. Number nine, will you pursue any further legal action? And yes, I, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to delve into that more, but I will say that I am connecting with a wide variety of attorneys and exploring so many different options for further legal actions. And I'll be blunt. I am considering pursuing more legal action with the caregiver and uh, people affiliated with her. Again, that's up in the air. I don't want to, you know, it's something I'm I'm exploring all options. There are about three or four other entities that I will pursue legal action with. And it's just finding finding the right attorney. You know, you got to feel the vibe, right? My attorneys, like, they might take on further legal action for one part. But there's like another part that it's like, you know... I think I need an attorney in a different state for this, for example. So yes, the short answer, yes, I will be pursuing more legal action. I'm comfortable sharing that. And I think it's transparent to people that that is necessary in this case. So I will be doing that. I don't know when I'm in the process. I've been in the process of like, just, you know, checking in with attorneys and just kind of seeing what's out there. I have like a short list of attorneys and then I have like a longer list of attorneys. But the reality is um, some attorneys like, you know, it's, it's hard to get attorneys for cases. You will have so many slam doors in your face. It's not even funny. Even for a case like this, that's like really intriguing and has a lot of parts. It isn't necessarily easy. So like a lot of attorneys will slam a door in your face, but then there are other attorneys that are like licking their chops. Like, well, if you decide, you know, you want to pursue that, please, please let me know. Cause like, I would love to take this on. So it's definitely a mix and I'm just exploring all my options. I'm not going to do anything until it feels right for me. So, and part of me is like, you know, if this lawsuit ends, maybe I'll just take a little break from all the legal stuff for a couple months and then, you know, dive in. So I'm not sure when, you know, how, you know, but like, yes, I am planning on pursuing more legal action. And I think it's fitting for this case, you know, a lot has gone wrong with it. A lot of people were asleep at the switch. And I think that needs to be corrected. So yes. Um, number 10, this needs to be a Netflix show, a book or something. How can that happen? I would watch the heck out of that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, I have, you know, I actually started writing a book about my family back in 2014. And it's just been kind of like 
something I pick up, I put down. And that was back in 2014. So that was like in the thick of like the bigamy thing, my parents divorced. Even back then, I felt compelled that we had such a strong, interesting, complex, dynamic story to share that even back then I was like, you know, this this needs to be something, right? And so fast forward to now where there's been so much more that has happened. I'm really like, there's so much to tell. There's so much to share. And like I've shared my intent with this, it's just to like help people that are in, you know, traumatic experiences, complex family dynamics that, you know, there is a light at the end of that tunnel. And how do we develop, you know, that resilience? How do we develop a positive growth mindset in the midst of like these traumatic experiences or navigating complex family dynamics? So yes, I have been working on a book. I don't know what to do. Like I, what do you do when you write a book? Do you hit up a publisher or, you know, like, I don't know what the next, like, you know, like official steps are, but it is something in progress in terms of like Netflix specials or like documentaries. I have connected with some producers. Um, and it's been, I, I, again, that's something I don't really know how to navigate. So if anyone out there does like hit me up, like, let me know. Cause like I have connected with producers have connected with like the media. So there's like things in motion. I just don't know how to quite get it lifted off the ground in a way. So I'm actually due to connect with a producer later today. So we'll see. And I, I think it has merit, you know, to, I think it's interesting. It's bizarre. So I think it does have merit to be like on TV. You know? So like I I think that'd be interesting, especially since growing up, me and my dad loved true crime. Like we were like, my goodness, we were unsolved mysteries junkies. We would watch Dateline 2020. Like that was like our thing. And so I just find it so like amusing in a way that like if this wound up being like a true crime, like documentary thing, like he would be so happy. <laughs> like he would be so happy that because that was something that he and I shared was just like this love for like mysteries and true crime and things like that. So I think that'd be really, really a good way to memorialize him in a way and also just, you know, share this crazy story of my family. <laughs> so again, thank you all for joining us and just spending time with us each week. I really, really appreciate it. I have question at times, like, is this like interesting enough? Would people connect with this? And it seems like it is connecting. And I am really, really grateful for that. I'm hoping to have more lawsuit updates soon. It's just a waiting game again at this point, but we'll see. Um, but anyway, I hope you all are having a fabulous weekend and we will chat next week. Next week will be interesting. We will be playing the police taped interview with the caregiver. So that will be, I think, really fascinating for everyone to hear. But anyway, thank you so much. Take care.